Well, I trust you're getting ready for the hunt, and uh, that's going to be an exciting time. Looks like the weather is going to uh, warm up by the end of next week, and uh, that's just in time for the uh, resurrection activities those next couple weeks, so looking forward to that. Today's going to be a little wintry still, a lot of wind this afternoon, but uh, cold still, but uh, we're getting there eventually. Trust your term, too, is off to a good start today. Let me give you a couple tips this morning, if you'd like. First of all, a God tip. God writes with a pen that never blots. He speaks with a tongue that never slips and acts with a hand that never fails. God writes with a pen that never blots. He speaks with a tongue that never slips and he acts with a hand that never fails. What a great God we have. Here's a girl tip. A wise man speaks less and says more. A wise man speaks less and says more. And guys, here's your tip today. Love never asks, what can I get? But what can I give? Love never asks, what can I get? But what can I give? That's a picture of God's love. He gives. Okay. Well, take your Bible this morning. Let's go to Matthew chapter 23. Take a few moments here today and look at another paradox in the Scripture. Matthew chapter 23. And we'll look at verses 10, 11, and 12. Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is speaking here in this chapter, and in verse 10 of Matthew 23, he says, Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The paradox today is the least are the greatest. In God's way of seeing things, the least are the greatest. I think all of us would have to admit that pride is probably our worst enemy. Pride gets in the way of everything that we attempt to do for Christ. Our own selfish ego, our own selfish pride is, according to God, his number one abomination. These six things that the Lord hate, these seven, are an abomination. And he didn't put same-sex marriage on that list. But pride's at the top. There's a lot of things that God hates, but he says seven are an abomination. And the first is pride. Everyone that is proud in heart, Proverbs 16, 5, is an abomination unto the Lord. And God doesn't hang around his abominations. God wants no part of those abominations. Psalm 138, verse 6, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Does God know you close up or afar off? 
That's up to what we do with pride. If there's pride in our life, God knows us afar off. But he has respect unto the lowly. He wants to bless the holy, he want, or lowly. He wants to share his favor with the lowly. Three important factors here in this paradox of the least are the greatest. First, notice the peril of heights. Some of you might be a little bit afraid of heights. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a boy growing up on a farm, we had to climb the silo and had to uh, get things ready there at the top of that silo. I worked for a man in college. He had built a silo on his farm that was 80 feet in height, and he was afraid of heights. And so every morning you had to go up there and open the hatch and, and uh, let all the gases out of that, that uh, silo. You had to give it that fresh air to allow that silage inside to become fodder and ferment and so on for the cows to eat. And, uh, but he was, afraid to fly, he was afraid to climb to the top of that thing. So guess who got to climb it every morning and uh, every night to close the hatch? And uh, you get up there, uh, 80 feet in the air, in the middle of a farm, and uh, it could be a, you know, windy up there, and you get a little, you, you get a little insecure. Uh, there's a peril to heights. And the higher your pride, the farther you have to fall. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You think about how far Lucifer fell when he fell out of heaven. Lucifer was in a lofty place. He was a, a lofty angel. He was a powerful angel, but he fell all the way to the pit of hell. Thy pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rocks, whose habitation is high, who saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou, though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou set thy nest uh, uh, with, the, with the stars of the heavens, I will bring thee down, saith the Lord. We may surround ourselves with enough confidence that, hey, I can do whatever I want. I can live however I please. Nobody's going to stop me. Be careful. The higher you go in your pride, the farther you have to fall. God can bring us down pretty quickly. A man's pride shall bring him low. How long would it take God to bring us down? I was in a revival meeting years ago, and as people were going out the back, a man came by, a, a very uh, strong-looking um, man, uh, had, a, had a, a handshake that was just gripping when he shook my hand, and kind of a powerful, physical man, and he shook my hand and went past, and after he'd gotten by me, the pastor kind of nudged me, and he said, remind me to tell, tell you something about that, that, that fellow. So later on, after everybody had left, the pastor said, that, that gentleman that shook your hand, the big, large guy, he said, just pray for him. He said he owns a construction company, he builds houses, he's got three crews going right now, things are good, and they're working round the clock, 24-7. He, he'll, he's probably on his way to work right now. Uh, he comes Sunday morning, but... Um, far as I can tell, he won't be here tonight or any night during the week of meetings. He's just, he's just spent all his time working, making money. And I've talked to him. I've tried to encourage him. I've tried to rebuke him. And he always says, Pastor, I got to make hay while the sun shines. Right now it's good. We're making a ton of money. We're building these houses left and right. I got three crews going. And he said, uh, you know, when it all slows down, I'll, I'll get back to God. And the pastor warned him and Tried to say, hey, you got to put God first. He'll bless you if you put him first. 
Next morning, I got a phone call at 5 o'clock. This is a pastor. He said, how soon can you be ready? I said, give me five minutes. He said, I'll pick you up. I got quickly dressed, and five minutes later, the pastor was there and got in the car, and I said, uh, where are we headed? He said, we're going to the hospital. He said, that fella that I told you about yesterday, he had a heart attack this morning. He's going to have surgery here in a couple hours. We need to see him. I'll never forget, we walked into that hospital room, and you know, when you're, when you're about 6'7 and weigh about 250 pounds and you've got muscles in places that most of us haven't even discovered yet, when you put on one of those hospital gowns, it kind of ta- reduces all that real quick. There was this man laying in that hospital bed with one of those flimsy hospital gowns that barely covered him. He was, he was so massive in his, in his muscular build. He was laying there with oxygen in his, in his nose and IVs in his arms and wires and needles and everything running everywhere. He's laying there in that bed waiting bypass surgery on his heart. I'll never forget as the pastor walked in, I was right behind him. That man kind of opened his eyes and he saw his pastor. And with that apparatus on his hand for the IVs and everything, he kind of, he kind of lifted his index finger off that bed weakly and he pointed up. And he said, Pastor, he maketh me to lie down. Now, he kind of quoted that verse out of Psalm 23, a little out of context, but he certainly got the message from God. You can decide, hey, this is the way I'm going to live, and I don't care about anything else except me, and I'm going to live my life myself, and I'm going to just go forward as I see fit. God can bring us down pretty quick. The, there's a peril to heights. And the peril of pride is that God promises he will bring us down. But notice the pursuit of humility. There's a peril to the height of pride, but notice the pursuit of humility. Notice I didn't say the attainment of humility, the pursuit of humility. We will never attain humility in its completed form. We, we will never be as humble as we ought to be, but there ought to be in our lives a pursuit of that humility. It is a do-it-yourself project. In the verse we often quote about revival, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Now God can do the humbling as he did with this gentleman in construction work. God can humble any one of us today. All it would take is a car accident, a loss of a job, loss of a friend, a sickness, It wouldn't take much, not even a thought, for God to humble any one of us today. But God invites us to humble ourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Did you put on humility this morning when you got up? You guys put on shirt, tie, and slacks, and shoes, and... Girls put on a dress or a blouse or a skirt. And we got ready for class. We got ready for chapel. Whatever the case was, we, we, we clothed ourselves. But God says every morning, we've got to also put on humility. That's something we've got to do. Be clothed with humility. What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Every day, it's a pursuit to be humble before the Lord to keep ourselves under his 
shadow, under his uh, uh, leading, under his control of our life rather than ourselves. Notice, thirdly, the positioning of heaven. Our pride exalts us. When it does, we, we get noticed or we get some attention or we receive some praise. But, but notice how God positions all this. Look back at our verse in verse 11. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. God puts it in a whole different perspective, doesn't he? We, we try to build ourselves up. We try to pad our resume. We try to make ourselves look better than we actually are. We, we say things about ourselves that actually aren't even true in order that others might exalt us or others might look up to us or think that we're something great. When God looks at us, he says those that humble themselves are in the higher position. Those that exalt themselves are in the lower position. Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I love Isaiah 66 and verse 2. God says, to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and a contrite spirit and that trembleth at my word. Do you want God to look your way? You want God to bless your life? You want God to favor you? You want God to, to, to meet your needs financially? You want God to use you on the hunt? You want God to use you in ministry someday, give you a happy marriage? He says, to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and a contrite spirit. And the trembleth at my word. Now that's different than the way the world looks at it. The world looks at you. You gotta. You gotta climb to the top. You. You gotta be. You, you gotta climb the ladder of success and kick everybody else off the ladder as you go up the top. Uh, you gotta step on people. Tell you know. Get them out of the way so that you can advance. The world today says, get to the top. God says, get to the bottom. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you need grace in your life? We all do. God says then humility is the ticket to that grace. Humility is the ticket to God's favor. Humility is the ticket to God's power in your life. And so as you go through your life, think about this paradox that the Lord gave us. So many times our goal is to somehow get to the top of whatever it is. We, we want to be that room leader. We want to be that dorm soup. We want to be that pastor. We want to be, you know, whatever it is. God says, when you go out there into life, find the lowest rung on the ladder. Find the place that nobody else wants. Grab on there. Grab on there and serve. And watch what God does. About, uh, probably about five or six months after I started working with evangelist Joe Boyd. Dr. Boyd was a wonderful evangelist and had been an All-American football player, Texas A&M. They were national champions in 1939, Texas A&M. He had a national championship ring on his finger. and Dr. Boyd was 6'5", 270 pounds. He was bigger than life. He had so many stories about football and being drafted by the Redskins into the NFL and all these kinds of things, and, and, uh, but gave it all up to preach the gospel. And, 
When I traveled with him, he personally had led 125,000 people to the Lord in his ministry up to that point. 125,000. I mean, to be able to travel with somebody like that and to learn from somebody like that, it was just amazing opportunity. And I, I loved being around him and, and spending time with him and different things like that and going to meetings and being his preacher boy, you know, so to speak. And, and he would, uh, he'd build me up to the people where we were, you know. And, and uh, I, was, I was starting to get, you know, thinking pretty good about myself. And we were moving his operation at that time from Corpus Christi, Texas to um, Smithburg, West Virginia, where he was establishing the Mount Salem Revival Grounds. And uh, we were a part of that move and transition and building that campground. And, and uh, there on that property, we, we had a tent that we traveled with. We had a 1,500-seat tent that we would uh, travel with. It had its own benches and piano and organ, sound system, lights, the whole nine yards. It was in that semi-truck. And we'd go from place to place and set that thing up and, and uh, bring in people and, and uh, see people saved. And it was a wonderful time. Well, one spring, that particular spring that I refer to now, we were at the camp, and he told me one morning, he said, now, John, he said, all the benches for the tent, all the benches that we're going to sit on this, this spring, summer, and fall as we do our tent meetings, they got to be painted. And so I want you to get in the back of that semi-truck and pull out all those planks. We had these planks that were about 10 feet long and uh, two by 12s, and and uh, they were painted this park green color, this oil paint, uh, to make them nice and shiny and glossy. And they were a dark green color. And he had bought the paint and the brushes and all that kind of stuff. And he said, pull those benches out of there and start painting. Now, there's a lot of planks in there to seat 1,500 people. And I started pulling those boards out of there and laying them out in that West Virginia sun. And I started painting those things. Had to lay him on the ground. We didn't. We were just starting the camp. There were no buildings there. We were just just ground, and so laid him out on the ground. And I tell you, that was backbreaking to lean over, bend over, and paint those brushes, paint those benches with those paint brushes, oil painted. You get it on your clothes. You get it on your hands. It's there for eternity. You know, it doesn't wash off when you're done, except with gasoline. And I painted and I painted and I painted, and I was getting a pretty bad attitude about it. And uh, you know, I'm thinking, I went to four years of Bible college to paint benches. I thought, I painted benches when I was eight years old on the farm. I know how to paint. I don't need to do any more painting. And I was having a bad spirit about it. And the guy who drove our truck, his name was Bob Stipe. And uh, he drove the semi for us. And, and Bob was a layman, but he was a truck driver. And he would drive our tent on, on the weekends and get it to the next place. He saw me over there painting those benches, and I was having a tough time. He came over, and Bob was pretty straightforward. He said, uh, you're struggling with this, aren't you? I said, yeah. Yeah, I really am. I said, I, I didn't go to Bible college to do this. I said, I, I can't believe that, that I'm the only one that has to do this. And he, he kind of got up about three inches from my face, and he said, John, one day, you will thank God that you had the opportunity to paint benches that people would sit on and hear Joe Boyd preach the gospel and get saved. And he walked away. I thought, yeah, whatever. 
I finished the job. A couple weeks later, we were in Dayton, Ohio, for our first tent meeting of the year. We got there, and we asked the pastor, where do you want the tent? He said, in the parking lot. It was an asphalt parking lot. We had to drive 250 stakes through asphalt to put that tent up. I slept in the truck at night because they didn't have a place for me to stay. My attitude was getting worse and worse and worse, thinking, why am I doing this? But I'll never forget that first night of that tent revival as 1,500 people crowded under that tent. And Brother Joe preached the gospel when he gave the invitation. Dozens of people began to move forward to be saved. And I stood in the back with tears in my eyes, and I said, I'm thankful that I got to paint these benches for people to hear the gospel and be saved. Go out there and find the lowest rung. It won't always be pleasant. It won't always be what you think you should be doing. But when you get to that lowest rung and you latch on there, one day God will turn that ladder around. And he that exalteth himself will be abased. But he that humbleth himself should be exalted. What will be your legacy as you depart from West Coast? What will people talk about on their Facebook posts? Will you be known as aloof, self-centered, proud, with achievements and honors that impress the crowd? As your name is mentioned and tossed around, will God look down with a smile or with a frown? The world is crowded with talent and brains dedicated to the goal of fiscal success and personal gain. With righteous ethics and morals often cast aside, they climb the ladder of success with pragmatism as their guide. They'll build their bank accounts along with houses and land, only to find in the end their foundation rests on sinking sand. You will soon enter the world as a college grad. You'll get married and become a mom and a dad. You'll face the pressures that life and ministry brings. Your days will be filled with all kinds of non-essential things. Life's challenges have a way of destroying even the very best. There aren't a lot of classes to prepare you for that test. So how can you please God in this complicated mess? By grabbing hold of the bottom rung of the ladder called success. Instead of selling yourself out to pleasure's highest bid, invest your life in serving as your Savior did. Don't get discouraged when others in their own success abound, for one day soon, God will turn the ladder around. The least will become first. The first will become last. Those that exalt themselves should be abased. Those that humble themselves should be exalted.